Hello and welcome to the San Marcos Business and Community Podcast presented to you by the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce. I'm Chamber CEO Rick Rungaitis. Joining me today in today's episode is Brian Goldstein. Brian is the Chief Academic Officer for the University of St. Augustine for Health Services right here in San Marcos. And uh, there's a lot of great things going on at this university, so I'm so excited to have Brian on to be able to uh, let us know what's uh, what's going on at the University of St. Augustine and and if uh, and opportunities for uh, for students in the in the area. So, Brian, welcome to the welcome to the episode today. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the chamber hosting the podcast and being on it with you. Well, I appreciate you being a member of the San Marcos Chamber. So we uh, you know we talk about San Marcos all the time. All the suburbs up here in North County and throughout San Diego, they they all have their own identity. And the identity, I think, for San Marcos, and we're seeing it even more every day right here where we're located uh, with Cal State San Marcos. But, you know, not just Cal State San Marcos, not just Palomar College, not just San Marcos Unified School District, but University of St. Augustine provides some great opportunities for people in San Marcos. And I know there's people that come from, from all over that comes to the university here. So I guess just to get started today, just give us a little idea of, of what the University of St. Augustine for Health Services is all about and, and what type of courses and programs that you, uh, you provide here in San Marcos. Absolutely. So the University of St. Augustine for Health Sciences is a comprehensive graduate-only institution that is uh, located here in San Marcos, along with four other campuses across the country. We have a campus in Austin, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Miami, Florida, and St. Augustine, Florida. And thus, that's where the name comes from, based on the location of that first campus. And the San Marcos one's the best one, right? Well, that's the one <laughs> That's the one we're here to talk about for, for sure. So uh, I, I definitely enjoy being on this campus and, and being in, in California. The university started in the late 70s as an institute for physical therapy and has expanded its programs and footprint, again, from one campus and, and a couple hundred students to five campuses in three states across three time zones and we're, we're close to 5,000 students now about 1,100 of which are here on the San Marcos campus with programs here in both occupational and and physical therapy that's great and I you know I use this term all the time I always I always think everybody gets caught up in their own bubble and I know I'm, I'm as guilty of it as well and so I, I don't think everybody realizes that that's that the school is right here in San Marcos and and having that many students and uh, of course I'm, I'm sure you know a number of employees uh, on the campus and also I'm anxious to check this out because I haven't seen it yet but you also have a new new building and you've expanded recently we do. So in addition to our approximately 1,100 students, obviously at this point, all of whom are not on campus uh, simultaneously, given the fact that we're still obviously in the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic, we also have about 200 faculty and staff that are associated with, with the university. And we currently occupy three buildings. The campus has four buildings. Uh, we're on Windy Point Drive, three buildings on one side of the road. And I think it was in like right at the time of the lockdown back in March and the pandemic really roared. We opened our fourth building. Uh, we got the certificate of occupancy for our fourth building across Windy Point Drive, which was going to house a lot of our 
student advisors, our staff that help students get their clinical education placements. And then, you know, we're going to look at rehabbing the part of the building on the other side of the street where, where they were housed. And obviously that got waylaid by, by COVID. So yeah, we have, we have four buildings as, as part of our, our campus. So it, it is sort of interesting that, you know, within about a two mile drive, you, you know, you can hit Palomar College and then the University of St. Augustine and then Cal State San Marcos, along with obviously all of the schools attached to San Marcos Unified. So, I, you know, I think education, you know, education, healthcare, eds and meds, if you will, is critically important to um, many communities, uh, not the least of which is uh, us here in, in North County. Okay, I'm going to use that, eds and meds. I like that because, you know, uh, you know, as I said earlier, uh, San Marcos recognized as the education hub of North County, but it's starting to look so from a uh, health standpoint, from a hospital standpoint, Kaiser uh, Permanente uh, just broke ground for their new, uh, I think, 206-bed full-service hospital that's going to be right, right here uh, close to North City. And so you're right. It's got to be so challenging. And, and as I've talked to business owners and leaders of organizations and civic leaders and everything with COVID and, and all these challenges it pre- presents. And from an education standpoint, um, I really feel bad for the, for the young kids, you know, like the elementary school and having to do so many things uh, virtual and not in person. But for the students uh, that go to University of St. Augustine, it's got to be extremely challenging because you're dealing with physical therapy. You're dealing with so many health sciences that are hands-on. So um, what's, how have you guys been able to work through these, those type of challenges? It, it has been difficult. You know, I, I think the, the mythology sometimes about higher education and, and universities is that they are uh, slow to react. They move very slowly. Uh, they, they don't pivot very, uh, very deftly, uh, very efficiently. Um, but I think what what COVID has shown is that's not the case, and and certainly I think we're we're somewhat of a case study of deciding on a Thursday that we were going to go all virtual the following Tuesday, and so we transitioned all of our courses, all of our lab experiences from a face to face format to to one that was a virtual format, and and certainly at the beginning of this, I think you know many faculty and students were concerned that they were not going to be properly educated, properly trained in order to be ready to, as you say, Rick, uh, participate in hands-on therapeutic approaches and techniques that one needs as an occupational and, and physical therapist. So from the middle of March to the beginning of July, we were all virtual. There was no uh, on-campus education at all. We were fortunate that we were able to utilize some video virtual platforms that allowed students to work with apartment mates, friends, family members that they would record and faculty members would be able to go into that video, give them constructive feedback, have them uh, try or, or retry techniques that, so it, it became more of a conversation. So we had a video platform that allowed for that back and forth to somewhat mimic, if you will, what would happen in a, in a face-to-face situation. So students and faculty were pleased when we were able to put forward a plan that we thought was we were able to focus on our guiding principles of ensuring that we were going to graduate healthcare practitioners who were ready to serve from from the moment that they graduated, along with obviously conforming to local, county, state, federal health guidelines for safety that would allow our students to come back starting in July for very proscribed 
face-to-face lab activities that simply were issues of safety that could not be done in someone's apartment. I'll just give you one example. You know, we would not want a student to try to, quote-unquote, lift a a patient, air quotes, from a bed into a wheelchair at their house without proper education and being shown that technique. So we needed to bring them onto campus for those kinds of activities. So that's part of the the plan that we put forward to the county about the kinds of education that we were going to bring students back to campus for, which started in the middle of July. So some type of hybrid type of uh, program that you're able to do. And it is hybrid at this point. So starting in the fall, we were able on this campus in San Marcos to, to bring back not only our physical therapy but occupational therapy students and then next spring in in our on our campuses in texas we'll bring back our speech language pathology and our and our nursing students for some some face-to-face activity so we've done it in a very staged and stepped approach ensuring that our classes you know which had been sometimes for regular courses about 60 students now have no more than nine students in in a course in a lab section and, and I think the thought is always about the students, which rightfully so should be. Uh, that's why you exist for the students, but also for the faculty. It has to be very challenging for them because they're put into a position where they're, you know, they're they're trained to teach a certain way and they're in their comfort zone and they're great at what they do. But like all of us, you know, COVID has thrown this giant curveball and and now we've had to to make these changes. So how how were you able to work with the faculty to make sure they were prepared to be able to offer the students what you were just talking about. So for faculty, we're most fortunate that that in general, our, our approach to education is a hybrid approach. So we were already doing virtual or, or online education as a regular part of our curriculum. So that part wasn't new. I think what was new for many faculty was the continuum of, of time and training that they had in order to move, as you said, Rick, what are hands-on skills in, in a lab format from a face-to-face to a virtual environment. And so we did significant training and development with, with faculty as we moved from face-to-face to an online platform. So, you know, faculty were working, as everybody is now, especially as we're all in our more our home offices, you know, there's not much separation uh, between home and, and work. So nights and, and weekends doing development, uh, we have um, a very professional well-positioned, well-trained faculty development staff that are working with our faculty and acquiring the necessary resources that we need in order to allow faculty to do this kind of teaching and and pivot again uh, quite quickly from a face-to-face to a virtual environment. Yeah, and that's so important, and I, I'm not sure it's brought up enough. And I know recent uh, podcast episode, we had Tiffany Campbell, the assistant superintendent for the San Marcos Unified School District, and I know, you know, she said they learned so many things in the spring of, you know, because it, it was like back in the spring, it was like, boom, this thing, just everything was shut down. And, uh, but just being able to take that time and train the faculty to be able to have that impact as a teacher for the students. And, and that's it, a lot of work. And uh, I applaud all the efforts that you and your and staff and, and team have done to be able to get the faculty prepared because um, that has to come first before being able to get those students. They, they need to have that proper training. Right. So. And, and we were all doing it simultaneously. So again, I think the advantage that we had was that our, our model is one of a hybrid one. Uh, anyway, that that's sort of our, our base approach. And, you know, I always 
always say, I feel like at the University of St. Augustine, we became better versions of ourselves or a better version of ourselves because of COVID. So we have more faculty who have both broader and deeper training in a virtual format than they did before. Again, people were doing it to, to various degrees. And now, you know, I think we're prepared if, if we need to uh, pivot more towards uh, in-person and some virtual over the summer and then quickly go back to all virtual. I think we we're prepared to, to do that. I think the other advantage we have, and I, I think you alluded to it in, in your comment about the San Marcos Unified is we're dealing with graduate students. So, you know, our average age of our student, I think is about 26 and a half years old. So they've been in school for a long time. They don't need to be monitored in the same way that uh, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds uh, need to. And I, I certainly feel fortunate that Mine are in their 20s and, and not in uh, <laughs> elementary school right now. We're talking with Brian Goldstein, Chief Academic Officer for the University of St. Augustine for Health Sciences here in San Marcos. Tell us a little bit more about some of the other offerings that the, the students can get. You talk about their graduate students. So is it two years of to get their degree for uh, to get out in the workforce or how, how does that how does that work? So for physical therapy, um, that the entry level degree is a DPT or a doctor of, of physical therapy. So we actually have two flavors or two versions of that program. One is what we call residential, which is an eight term program, basically full time. You, you live in the area, you're, you're going to school, you know, pretty much every day. We also have what we call a flex program, and that is about two and a half years takes for for the flex program in which uh, we have students from mostly the the western part of the united states who take advantage of it here on the on the california on the san marcos campus and those are students who are doing their coursework in a virtual format and then they will actually fly here to southern california for a certain number of weekends during the term for uh, intensive weekends of hands-on lab experiences so Again, it's a two-year versus about a two-and-a-half-year program. The advantage of the so-called FLEX program is that it allows it allows students uh, to continue to work. Most of them work, um, if, if not half-time, many of them work full-time. So they can maintain their jobs, work on their, their Doctor of Physical Therapy uh, degree. We also have the same two opportunities for students in our, in our occupational therapy program. Um, again, it's about two years for our residential program and about two and a half for the, the flex program where those students come in for intensive weekends and then, you know, come to, to campus for a couple days at, at a time. Um, we also have a number of programs that, that are all uh, virtual, that are all online, uh, that are not OT, PT, or, or speech language pathology. Um, we have a doctor of education program. We have a master of health science, a master of healthcare administration. And then we have uh, nursing programs. We have both a master's of science in nursing and a doctor of, of nursing practice with a number of different tracks within that nursing program. And again, those last four or five that I mentioned are, are all virtual. So we have students from, from all over the country um, that, that are in our fully online programs. So if we have listeners today... Um on this podcast and they want to learn more about how to, how to get involved uh, or how to apply to, to go to the University of St. Augustine uh, or just want more information, what do they do? USA.edu is, is our website. That's easy to remember. I know, USA, <laughs> USA, go USA.edu. Um, and there's an admissions tab or I'm happy to hear from people directly uh, if they need some support or help from me. 
you can feel free to, to email me directly at bgoldstein, G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N, at usa.edu, and I'm happy to, to get you to, to the right person to, to help you if you're interested in more in the university. And I know everybody was scrambling for a piece of paper and a pencil to write that down, but we will have all that information in our episode notes with links so you can, you can check out the information. I was on your website um, a couple of weeks ago, just checking things out and kind of getting up to speed with everything that's going on at the university. And it's a wonderful site with a ton of information. So we'll make sure we put those in the episode notes. And hopefully, you know, soon we'll be able to host uh, individuals again to come in and see our, our campus. I think they'll be uh, really impressed. Um, it's, it's, Beautiful from the outside, which is, it's great. You know, it looks like it belongs right here in Southern California. But obviously what's most important is uh, what, what's going on inside, particularly the equipment and technology we have. Uh, we have um, a, a full, complete uh, simulation center, uh, Center for Innovative Clinical Practice, which is uh, set up like an uh, in, in inpatient acute care hospital ward with about uh, 15 to 20 um, hospital beds, um, audiovisual equipment, we also have what we call an activities of daily living um, setup, which which looks like uh, an apartment with a faux bathroom, uh, kitchen area, eating area, living room, and a driving simulator that we use to to teach our uh, OT and PT students, and and then uh, work with community members when when we're on campus. It's been a couple of years, but I, I came out and took a tour, and it was so impressive of everything that you have there. And it's just a great opportunity for for students that want to pursue that a career in health sciences to be able to um, to do that at University of Saint Augustine. Um, Brian, before I let you go, I just want to you know just talk about yourself a little bit and how long have you been at University of Saint Augustine, and and what were some of the highlights of your career prior to that. I've been at the University of St. Augustine uh, for a little over a year. I came in October of 2019. Before that, I had spent about uh, 20 plus years in the Philadelphia area, and that's where I moved from. And as we're recording today, there's at least a <laughs> four to six inch snowstorm that is occurring uh, as we record, uh, which I do not miss in the least. I was very happy to give away my snowblower to my neighbor when we moved here to, to Southern California. Yeah, we moved here from Chicago, so I, I prefer golfing in December. I, I was in shorts last weekend, <laughs> and I, I, I don't think I'll, I'm ready to, to, to trade it at all. My, my background is as a speech-language pathologist. Um, I, I, more specifically, my, my research and my profession has focused on providing uh, speech and language services to Spanish-English bilingual children. So I graduated through the uh, bilingual master's and doctoral programs at Temple University in Philadelphia, uh, went back a third time to be a faculty member, moved up through the administrative ranks, um, met my wife in, in graduate school. She's from the Philadelphia area. One of the two kids was born there. My first academic job was at St. Louis University. Uh, the older daughter was born in, in St. Louis and worked for a little bit of time at Mass General Hospital in the Boston area. Uh, I'm originally as you can probably tell by my accent from South Carolina. No, the <laughs> accent is pretty much gone at, at this point. And still have family in South Carolina. I can fall back into a Chicago accent. Uh, I, I won't do that now, but I can, I can do that if, uh, if urged. Um, so yeah, some wonderful universities you've been associated with St. Louis university, temple university, uh, LaSalle. Um, I know, you know, it's 
for any of our regular listeners to the podcast know that I always try to switch it to sports at some point. And, you know, when you think about Philadelphia, you think of LaSalle and Temple, uh, you think of uh, college basketball. And just uh, that is like a religion in Philadelphia with those schools. Uh, and you can cry. So it's, I think it was Big Four, now it's Big Five, but it's Temple, uh, LaSalle, St. Joseph's, Penn, and, and, and Drexel. Drexel now. Yeah, so that had to be uh, that had to be fun going to some of those basketball games and 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 seeing some great some great ball. It, it was. I mean, I was at Temple, you know, in in the Mark Macon heyday. Um, I was not at LaSalle when when Lionel Simmons was there, but um, had the opportunity to to see him at at many games uh, in in the five years that uh, I was I was at LaSalle. Um, Don Don Cheney at Temple, right? Don, his, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John Cheney. John Cheney. John Cheney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Don Cheney was a basketball, was a was Celtics a guy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Don Cheney was a Celtics, right? John yeah. Cheney at, at, at Temple. Um, and being in uh, what, what is a relatively small arena at uh, LaSalle during their Sweet 16 run in 2013, uh, raising the roof at the, the Butler game, the Butler win. Uh, absolute highlight. So love, love college basketball. Yeah. And that was what, you know, made it so fun too. It's a, the, those old, uh, those old, I don't know if you call them arenas, old gyms. And just with the fans were just right on top of the, onto the court. So, I mean, it just had to be so loud and that just created that atmosphere that we miss so much right now with uh, having sports with no fans, but uh, made just that electric feeling uh, for those games. Tremendous. And a lot of uh, the big five games are played at uh, the Palestra at, at Penn, which is sort of an iconic uh, arena. Um, you know, it doesn't have the creature comforts, but it is a joyous place to to watch a basketball game. Villanova. Villanova. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's yep. right. Um, so sometimes the Big Five is is without Drexel, but then it's the City Six that includes Drexel. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks to Brian Goldstein for joining us today. And I know we had a little fun talking some college basketball, but the real talk today was about the University of St. Augustine for Health Sciences here in San Marcos and um, just a, a wonderful university. Please check the episode notes for more information. And as Brian had mentioned, please reach out to him if you want some more information about the university. And um, we get this COVID thing in our rearview mirror and we're able to start get, doing things uh, in person and be able to um, take a tour of the university and see all the great um, assets and resources they have for the students. Uh, please take advantage of that. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for having me. Thanks to the chamber and also for the city of San Marcos. Um, I've also at the event uh, that we did have right before COVID uh, meeting Mayor Jones and and uh, learning of her support for, for the institution is, is greatly appreciated. So thanks for everyone that for what you do for the University of St. Augustine. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. And thanks to all our listeners uh, for tuning in to today's episode. You've been listening to the San Marcos Business and Community Podcast presented by the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce. Thanks and have a great day.